This is Commerce Code, a Friday morning digital commerce podcast for leaders in retail, technology, banking, payments, financial data, and cutting edge marketing. I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance. We'll start with this week's news in digital commerce. This week, the stock markets continued to claw back from their mid-June low points, with retail, fintech, and financial services sectors seeing steady gains. The S&P Retailer Select Index is up about 5% from last week, 18% higher than its June 16th low, and 29% off its high of 10,680 last November. The Index Global Fintech Thematic Index was also 5% up from last week, 21% above its late June low. The S&P 500 Financial Sector Index is up 3% from last week, 14% above its June 16th mark. Bitcoin also continued its climb back from early summer, when it briefly traded below the $20,000 mark. This week, the flagship cryptocurrency traded between $23,000 and $25,000. For comparison, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was 12% up this week from its June 16th low point, and the S&P 500 was 14% up from June 16th. Commerce Code is brought to you in part by Vantage Score. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use Vantage Score to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. In this edition of Commerce Code, expanding the spending power of loyalty rewards, a conversation with Simon Goldstein of Rethink Loyalty. Target's leadership attempted to draw a line under their struggles this week as the Red Dot retailer announced a 90% drop in profits amidst overstocked shelves, having misjudged the rapid shift in consumer behavior. Heavily discounted housewares and major electronics will be available to Target shoppers in the near future, as executives stated that they would aggressively discount to move inventory off the shelves fast rather than taking a slower approach. Investors and industry observers will watch closely to see if this tactic puts Target back on track. While Target works to stabilize in the wake of supply chain challenges, those challenges don't mean the economy is necessarily struggling. And this week, information coming out of both Home Depot and Walmart moderated recession fears. Home Depot said spending on home improvement has been, quote, incredibly high with its business accelerating in recent weeks. Walmart said it had seen improvement in recent weeks, while its most price-sensitive shoppers have shifted to less expensive groceries. The world's biggest retailer said it had seen an uptick in activity at the cash register from more affluent customers looking for deals. Is this an across-the-board downshift in spending levels or a mark of adaptive consumers who want to keep spending in the face of inflation? American consumers did seem to want to keep spending. Overall retail sales were flat from June to July, the Commerce Department said Wednesday. But a measure of spending that strips out gasoline and auto sales rose 0.7% last month from June, 
suggesting that consumers took their savings from falling gas prices and spent the money elsewhere. Much of the additional spending seems to have moved online. An analysis by Payments.com showed continuing adoption of buy now buttons in online commerce, and in particular, an increased adoption among smaller merchants. 87% of the smallest online merchants were found to be using buy now buttons, compared to 72% of large businesses. Tempering the overall good news from consumers in the U.S., inflation still looms and inflation is still global. The U.K. registered a 10% 12-month inflation rate to July, a development that is expected to be repeated across much of Europe as the Russian invasion of Ukraine interrupts energy supplies and continues the continent's economic uncertainties. Today on the show, Dan Carell is talking about the evolution of loyalty rewards with Simon Goldstein, the founder and CEO of Rethink Loyalty. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. And can you just tell us where is Rethink Loyalty based? So our team is based in San Francisco, New York, and Toronto. Those are three of my favorite cities for completely different reasons, I would say, in each case. But, uh, well, we could spend the podcast unpacking that, but uh, we won't because you've got a really interesting, I guess, take on loyalty. And I'd love to start, Simon, with, I guess, the name of the company, which is Rethink Loyalty. I'd love to get your perspective as the founder and CEO of how you are rethinking loyalty. Loyalty needed revitalization. The problem with traditional loyalty programs is that they're expensive and only reward their consumers when they shop with them. This fundamental flaw of rewarding consumers for only a small fraction of their total spending leads to irrelevant rewards and less than meaningful results for the brands. Rethink Loyalty solves this by building, operating, and funding low-cost universal loyalty programs that reward customers everywhere else they shop. This allows them to earn substantially more rewards, incentivizing them to come back more often and spend significantly more with our brands. We allow existing loyalty programs to exponentially expand their reach beyond just the real or virtual walls of a brand's own stores. Our brand's customers earn their loyalty currency at 70,000 plus additional merchants and 1,200 plus additional leading online retailers, all of which is funded by Rethink Loyalty. You're essentially creating a secondary currency, if you will, that's just highly useful to the customers, to the purchasers. And they can basically use it almost anywhere if we're talking about 70,000 different locations. The backdrop for absolutely everything these days, of course, is the economic situation. And from the consumer's perspective, especially inflation, I just wonder how you see today's inflation rates impacting consumer loyalty. Today's increasing inflation rates are leading to both a real and perceived reduction in consumer buying power. Consumers are increasingly turning to loyalty programs to offset some of those losses. As they become more sophisticated about loyalty programs, they're also waking up to the fact that they just don't spend enough at most brands to earn meaningful rewards. According to a recent Bolt Consumer Report on loyalty, 87% of consumers would be interested in joining a Rethink Loyalty-like universal loyalty program that allows them to collect and use rewards at all of the businesses they shop at. 
So I want to use a specific example because to me, the model for what you're doing is easiest to understand, I think, through the lens of a particular company that you're working with. In, in a previous Commerce Code podcast, we had you and Doug Glazer, who's at Fanatics, and they're a big retailer of officially licensed sports merchandise, right? The world's the world's largest. And they've got hundreds of partner stores, but they're also a niche, you know, they're a niche player. And so you've had a really interesting and I think productive kind of relationship with them. And I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about how you're working with fanatics to improve loyalty, to boost engagement for them. As a specialty retailer, Fanatic's existing loyalty program wasn't giving their customers a ton of fan cash or compelling reasons to engage with Fanatic's in between purchases. To address both problems, Rethink Loyalty and Fanatic's built and launched FanCash Plus. It's a way for Fanatic's to both remain top of mind in between gear purchases and to put a lot more fan cash into their customers' wallets, all of which are funded by Rethink Loyalty's partner merchants. Fanatics also love the idea of having fan cash awarded on purchases at 1,300 plus leading brands like Home Depot and Best Buy. It's a game changer, I suppose, in that space, because no matter how excited you would be about buying, well, let's say Toronto Maple Leafs gear, it's probably true that you're still going to spend more time and money at Home Depot, probably. And so I'm assuming that that's a big driver there and it drives you back to being able to get the Maple Leafs gear as well. What's the basic story on how FanCash Plus has been doing? It's actually been super exciting. We're finding that FanCash Plus members are shopping 5.6 times more often and spending 5.6 times as much as their non-FanCash customers. FanCash Plus has also provided Fanatics with a revenue share every time one of their members shop at one of Rethink Loyalty's partner merchants like Home Depot. And is that what's sort of driving that performance, that 5.6 rate of outcome for them? Is it just the broader retail exposure or or do you have a kind of a, a more nuanced explanation than what I'm getting to? Yeah, it's definitely part of it. You know, when you're allowing Fanatics customer to earn fan cash on their everyday purchases, they have a lot more fan cash in their wallet. So they're coming back more often and spending more. But we're also finding that their most engaged customers are the ones who are most attracted to earning rewards through Fan Cash Plus. When someone signs up to participate in a program like FanCash Plus, they're self-selecting and demonstrating their willingness to be one of your best customers. And so by accumulating merchant-funded FanCash at 70,000 locations, we're deriving their customers to come back and shop more often. And it's also building customer engagement because every time they earn FanCash at a partner merchant, they turn into a more engaged customers through notifications, through these rewards. And what we're really doing is we're also turning an occasional Fanatics customer into a frequent loyal one. There's so much we could unpack here and, and lots of different things we could talk about, but I, I want to close with this one. Acquiring new customers these days is hard, just in the sense of, or at least we, we might presume it to be hard. I think we still don't fully understand what's going on in the economy, but it's presumably hard because consumers are expecting and experiencing inflation and are pulling back, we think, on some of their expenditures, perhaps especially in some of the more discretionary arenas. And so I'm wondering if your view of the approach to the loyalty space can help clients to sort of acquire customers more effectively or to improve their customer acquisition game in an environment like this. 
there's no doubt that customer behavior and spending patterns shift during an economic downturn as consumers are hunting for bargains and low-cost substitutes. Our programs put more money back into people's pockets and allows them to be rewarded everywhere they shop. It's during these challenging times that the most successful companies obsessively focus on customer loyalty and retention. Putting more money into your customers' pockets separates you from the competition and makes your customers feel more appreciated. There's that oft-quoted Bain & Company study that found that acquiring a new customer is anywhere from 5 to 25 times more expensive than retaining an existing one. And increasing customer retention rates by just 5% increases profits between 25 to 95%. Well, Simon, this has been a great conversation and appreciate your thoughts as somebody with a ton of experience and work in this space. We look forward to hearing about updates from Rethink Loyalty in the future. And thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you having me. Commerce Code is a weekly podcast of the Digital Commerce Alliance, the premier trade association advancing the future of commerce. Check out our website at digcomall.org. Help us grow Commerce Code by sharing it with your colleagues and old friends from business school and rate Commerce Code on your podcast app. We'd love your feedback and topic ideas. Just drop Dan Carell an email. You can reach him at dan at digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great Friday and a great weekend.